Hey, I'm Greg. And I'm Nathaniel. Welcome to Only an Inkling, where we only talk about the Inklings. And we only have an inkling of what we're talking about. <laughs> and so like, like you're saying here with this book, the Screwtape Letters, like you read it and it's very philosophical. Mm-hmm. But the thing that keeps you in it are all the practicalities right. of it. Like, the thing that's always surprised me at, like, all the Christian bookstores, I've never been able to wrap my head around this, <clears throat> is, like, you'll see, like, all the self-help and, like, Tony Evans right. and, and whatever, and next to it, you always see Mere Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> and have you read that book? I've, I have listened to it I ha- on audio. I haven't read it myself. At least um, in my opinion, it's terribly difficult to read. It's... It's another one that's going to challenge you left and right. It is. Yeah. And it's way more philosophical than this, yeah. than the screw tape letters. But I think it's one of his much harder reads. And he's definitely coming at it from like, these were some of the things he had to work out in his mind yeah. in order to trust God. When he's doing such, I mean, he's doing some, I mean, it's probably hard to read because it's, I can't imagine how hard it would be to write that. Because he's he was trying to write like, like just for the reader a purification of here's the essential ideas that make us christian regardless of where you land yeah denominationally see i was thinking the difficulty of it is um it was what lewis actually had to wrestle with yeah and so it's like he's saying here come on in let me show you around my mind and i'm kind of like, dude you were like <laughs> <laughs> that's intense you know because yeah. he's brilliant he is yeah, but I I just marvel at how that book was always on the shelves because it is like, it was much more one of his philosophical works, you know. And but, anyways, going back to like the Desert Fathers and stuff, that practicality is um, that's truly one of Lewis's gifts. I mean, yeah. it wouldn't it be hard from like here on out to look at the Screw Tape Letters and say, like, let's say at the end of the book, we do a podcast on like just what are the huge take-homes for us how did it affect us this time i think that'd be a great podcast is um how could we not say like he wants us to be more aware yeah of the here and now what's happening all the time here now and why yep what's in front of you what's in front of you and like how are you actually behaving and treating the people that you actually come in contact with on a day-to-day basis like this guy has just honed in on creating in us a much more conscientious life yeah and it feels good yeah and it, like he makes he makes christianity make sense in a way that i mean like the the way you live it right he really helps you there well yeah because what what's the point of the question i don't know what the question about the trinity was that this guy came to the desert father to ask that yeah. you're mentioning but what's the point of that high and lofty question if you're not really living out your Christian faith. You're, yeah. not, you're not really loving your neighbor, um, praying for your persecutor, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So, so life is <clears throat> caught up in this yin and yang. Are you, are you going closer to or further away from God? And all of this ties into, once again, you know, I hate to say it, all of the usual tactics that we've learned now. You know, the not paying attention, being distracted, um, mm-hmm. 
the, an emptying of yourself rather than a filling yourself with the knowledge of God uh, in Screwtape's eyes, and so on. Well, and I came up with this word today. You'll like it. Okay. So another Screwtapian tactic. Screwtapian. That's <laughs> way better than the other one we had. You don't like Screwus? <laughs> <laughs> I do like it, but I don't know if we should keep saying it or not. <laughs> I have to put explicit content on the the podcast. Yeah, like give it a little tag. <laughs> Screwtapian. The Screwtapian tactic. It is well another tactic, at least from them, is to maintain the absence of the knowledge of the law of undulation. Yes, we're back to controlling what the patient is allowed to perceive. It's almost like the yeah the demons just kind of like lock hands around a person's brain yeah and they try to deflect any like red rover you know yeah. like we're gonna just clothesline any good thoughts that could raise awareness yeah and maybe this is a, a good part to ponder why um practicing awareness is hard mm-hmm. like maybe mm. at least in lewis's eyes to practice awareness is difficult because you have spiritual odds against you. Oh, yeah. You know, it seems to be, I mean, that's at least like the hint in the, the narrative here, that if you're going to try to do this kind of work to really engage in your reason and think about um, how you're treating others, your existence, thinking about God and the Christian life, you will have all of these forces against you to prevent that. That's really good. and And I imagine you also... There's some kind of training that happens in that. Yeah. So Mariah and I are trying to teach our dogs to not jump up on the furniture unless they're invited. Okay, these dogs Which are... I had a great experience. Yeah, these dogs are eight years old. Uh-huh. And so they, have always, the they have always been allowed on the furniture whenever they want. Yep. And so there's a training involved there in a, in, inadvertently that, oh, I can be on the furniture. I have the right to be on the furniture. And wait, so, wait, are you going to teach an old dog new tricks? So we're trying. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, so we're, we're trying to teach them, no, you're not invited, get off. Yep. And it's been a challenge. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially for one of our females. She's very stubborn. But I imagine a similar thing happens with us. We have, you're pointing out, and that's a really good thing to, to remember and I hadn't considered, is it's hard to raise self-awareness because there are spiritual entities fighting against that in you. Yeah. But there's also the reality that for your entire existence that's been going on, so there is some training that has happened that oh, yeah. solidifies your mind in a way of operation that mm-hmm. that is counter productive to self-awareness well you know, and and uh so many caveats here are coming up so well like you know how you shared um the the avoidant nature yeah. within you to not want to engage in that but for me it's not like i'm more saintly because i do it a lot because for me let's say i just sit in a room for an hour and i'm trying to work something out internally okay yeah. this this actually happens in my life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, it just what it looks like is me sitting on a couch staring, but I'm working something out. I'm sure. <laughs> I get caught in these things, but um, for me, it could be like, oh, well, look at Greg doing the deep work. Sometimes thirty minutes of that time is me critiquing someone else. Oh yeah. Until I come to the realization, like, what are you doing worrying about mm. someone else? You wasted all this time. 
like that critiquing of someone else is really like revelations of low self-esteem pride you haven't even begun to do the work on yourself because you were too busy piecing apart someone else to try to make yourself feel better yeah. it's like it takes like the 30 minutes of doing that to have that revelation of like oh yeah i should have looked at myself in the first place yeah and that goes back to the like chapter one or chapter I two i was that thinking, thinking? the same thing yeah yep. it goes it goes right along with what screw or screwus <laughs> has been talking about that 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 um, we want to feed them certain information and yeah. hold, keep other information away. Yeah. And so that you're trying to you're sitting there on the couch trying to be self-aware, reflect on your your life in a healthy way, not not a narcissistic, self-obsessed way. Yep. And you end up criticizing in your mind somebody else. That I mean, if we go along with what the Screw Tape Letters has been teaching us, that could very well even be the demons kind of feeding you a line of information and potentially so it's like that guy who was in his congregation sitting in the pew looking at so-and-so and and being like i can't believe they're here because i know how they are outside of the congregation that early chapter yeah and then later on he talks about doing that what you thought was deep soul work in your times of prayer and you left feeling really good because all you did was like critique other people and it made you feel better because yeah. you feel like you're in a better place than they are at least. Yeah, so the yeah. huge deception or like distortion was thinking you did a deep work when all you did was feed your ego with something really negative. That's like the parable where Jesus is talking about, was it the Pharisee and the tax collector? And what are you getting at? He's like, he's, he's telling this parable... I'm not going to remember the reference right now, but Jesus is telling this parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector, and the tax collector is torn out his robes, and he's, you know, has his face bowed to the ground. He's praying in humility and desperation for God, and the Pharisee standing there saying, "Lord, I thank you. I'm not like I'm not this like guy." This guy. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Praying, <clears throat> praying, because right. praying is the sacred act. Right. But using that sacred act to tear apart someone else yeah exactly and just how distorted is the whole setup there yeah because you finish and you say i prayed i did it so look at me like Mm -hmm. i feel great now but you don't end up so great yeah and i just i go back to one of the desert father father sayings again that they said what is the way to happiness They said the way to happiness is to do these two things. To um, like walk the way of peace. Don't judge anybody. And whenever you do want to judge someone, ask yourself this question. Who am I? Yeah. And that was it. And as much as I'm aware, I try to remember that quote, especially in times of prayer. Like, hey, Greg, you don't have all this time to waste on, on... critiquing other people because you're low self-esteem yeah. or whatever else but look at yourself just look at yourself and do the work on yourself you know like when i when i uh was going to therapy mm-hmm. i would tell my therapist about this problem or that problem and he would say um okay like he would he caught me in these things yeah he'd say okay that's enough about them what can we do about you <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah. Like, I thought you were just going to you know, join me in my rant about everybody this, else. This is funny because it reminds me of when we were younger. 
and we'd get together and talk. And half the conversations would be, I mean, just confession time here, <laughs> of our younger selves, would be about oh, criticisms of other people. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were and we didn't immortal. even, it wasn't even, we didn't, I mean, I don't think there was ever malicious intentions. You're a teenager, no. you're immortal, you're, you're infallible. Yeah, yeah. You're or even things. a young adult. You're early 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's great. I said teenager, which really means up to like twenty-eight. <laughs> uh, what is what is adolescence considered now? I it's know. it's way up there. Yeah, now. like twenty-five or something. We're supposed to remember that word at the end of What's this that? chapter. Remember the word oh, adolescent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember the word adolescent. Exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. But yeah, you just um, and yeah, it 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 is related to. Um, I do believe it's related to age and environment. Some people I've met way later on in life, they don't get out of it. Yeah. Um, that, that outer critique, never looking inward, something to prove. Mm-hmm. I remember I, I worked at that bar yeah, near downtown and uh, making food. Yeah. And this guy came in who was our old neighbor, and he's like in his mid-60s now, and um, just spoke like a child I mean the content of what he's saying was Mm. inappropriate and really childish Mm. and I thought man at like 65 years old you just kind of expect that you move on from that that stuff but some people don't Yeah. but um, yeah so anyways by and large I'd like to think that at a certain age younger in life the feelings especially in your teens or adolescence of feeling immortal, right. infallible. Everybody is wrong always except for you. Except like basically for you, you could, you could run the country. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, there yeah. are some perks to that. It sometimes is nice to feel so certain and decisive even if you're completely wrong. Yep. Sometimes uncertainty and or uncertainty and insecurity plague abilities to make decisions yes yes they do decision making is huge in life well so this tactic we have before us that block them out from the law of undulation yes like try everything in your power to keep humans from recognizing the ebb and flow of fullness and emptiness in the human existence instead cause humans to think that a sense of fullness in christianity was supposed to be permanent and therefore logically The feelings of emptiness are probably permanent too. So another way of putting this, at least in my mind, is what I call all or nothing thinking. So it is extremes thinking. Either something is totally one way or it is totally the other and there is no middle ground or balance. Yeah. And I think everyone has to be on guard against all or nothing thinking. Like when you're mad, for example, you might think vengefully like... Well, if they're going to act that way, then I'm just not going to talk to them anymore. Yeah. This relationship is over. Or something like that, it, instead of considering some kind of balance in the situation. Yeah. Considering other avenues of advice, considering what the other person's going through, reconsidering the whole events leading up to that or whatever, all of those things. But we've talked about this before, extremes thinking, like that's kind of our uh, cultural flow right yeah, now. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, we're not in a lulled um cultural tide no 
Maybe that'll be the next one, but right now we're just like, everybody has to Polarized. make extreme decisions about everything always. Yeah. And if you're in the middle, you suck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> is my and, interpretation. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, in that all or nothing, you know, if the spiritual, emotional high experience that I had at my conversion has changed and now I'm in a low, uh, like, yeah. like Lewis is talking about here. And now that's forever because the other one should have been forever, but it didn't. And now mm -hmm. I'm here. And so now this is forever. I mean, that, that kind of thinking is rampant in our culture where it's like, well, I really feel X. So X is what I am. Yeah. And that's this it. But maybe two years from now, I'm Y. Can we talk about this elephant in the room? I feel about um, like middle school youth camp. Okay. Like you go and you're on fire. Yeah. You come back home and the fire's gone in like two weeks. Two weeks. And I think without even really internalizing everything that happened, what it means and all that, you just don't have the wherewithal to do all that yet yeah. normally. Um, you kind of start feeling that, well, if that fire is gone, then Christianity was false. Sure. You know what I mean? It didn't last, so Christianity is weak. Yeah. I I mean, I saw that happen a lot. I didn't experience that. You were more level. <laughs> no, I wasn't more level. Oh, okay. I still had my highs and lows. I just had... I was born into a committed Christian family. Uh, and so I had this, like, bedrock foundation to great. fall down on. So yeah. even when I was low, I still knew Christianity was uh, true. But I was still low. Yeah. I still went through lows and highs. Yeah. Um, but I saw it a lot through youth group um, where kids would, <clears throat> or a church where kids would go to camp or, you know, there was a thing at a church that you and I went to together for a while called Desperation mm -hmm. and get super pumped and on fire and then come home and in two weeks to a month, it's like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so it's definitely a thing. Okay. <laughs> He's calling out desperation. No, <laughs> no, desperation des I like good. desperation. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I was I was singing one of uh, Desperation Band songs yesterday. It's taking me back. Like, yeah. All your promises. Except I think it had something else to do with precious or something. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay, can we have a little confession? <laughs> I, we're gonna, this is like deep time confessions. Yeah. With, uh, inkling confession <laughs> this is weird man it's not even um it's so dumb to talk about it you Greg forget didn't to, know like, i was gonna actually point bring this up just <laughs> trying to avoid it man was that last night or was it the night before it feels like a year ago already maybe two <laughs> nights ago i don't know why i was um, these are like the things that only happen in your house that you don't no one else knows about but everybody does it kind of thing so Kelly's in bed. I'm getting ready to go to bed. The dogs are in our bed, so I'm kind of like petting them before I get into the bed. And um, just because I'm speaking to the dogs like um, Smeagol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so next thing I know, I'm singing worship songs in Smeagol's <laughs> voice. Or Gollum, if you don't know the name Smeagol. Yeah, Gollum's yeah. voice. And I, th I thought... Um, Changed in the lyrics to have yep. to do with... And I sent it, uh, I sent a recording to a few people that Nathaniel's the first <laughs> And lo and behold, I send it to Nathaniel and then I'm going to go to bed and people are thinking like, is Greg drunk texting me right now? <laughs> like, no, I'm just, I'm just, just me. 
I send it to Nathaniel, and um, <laughs> I lay down, I look at my phone, and it's glowing, and I've got a audio message from Nathaniel. And next thing you know, we're going back and forth with the uh, Golem worship hits. Yeah. Like old worship songs. Yeah. Old to us, at least. Yeah. In uh, Golem's voice. It was, oh, my it was goodness. pretty great. Oh, I was in tears. It was Laughing funny. So hard. Oh, oh, I was trying to watch The Walking Dead and I couldn't get anywhere because we were texting back and forth so much. Oh, bummer. It was fun. It was like a mix of like worship to God. We always included raw fish and the precious. And the so precious. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so weird and uncomfortable to talk about. But, uh, that's our life, man. It's, uh, I got to practice some acceptance. Right? <laughs> so, uh, where the heck was I? You have extremes thinking, and as you were hinting at, the other side of that tide is total complacency. Yeah. <clears throat> that is, assume that, you know, Christianity is fine as long as it's moderate, doesn't ruffle any feathers, right. um, keep it agreeable in all things. And this is the part of the tactic that stood out to me, because on one end, um, we have to kind of like hash out what we mean by like ruffle feathers or be disagreeable you know because christianity shouldn't purposefully uh be looking for problems with others right for paul, example paul tells us as much as it is up to you to be at peace with everyone exactly yeah. exactly peace is a big aspect of that and um you know nor should we set out to ruffle others feathers but at the same time <clears throat> christianity was radical from the outset yeah and that is Listen to the way that it's radical because it's so normal. It's what we know to be normal that's hard to find, I would say. And that is turning the other cheek, um, choosing non-retaliation, choosing forgiveness instead of withdrawal or retaliation, being generous. These kinds of things like the fruits of the Spirit listed in mm -hmm. Galatians, you know, uh, being patient, you know, long-suffering, kind, generous. Yeah. These things are radical concepts in comparison to striving for like a house out on the beach away from all human existence you know yeah. what i mean like the goals of your life right and it's someone who is willing to fight the fight of staying with human existence even though it's messy mm. something i used to tell myself before going into work <clears throat> in the mornings i did this for a year on my way to work and i think i got this from tim keller it was like just a little tweet he sent out one day he said Human beings are messy, expect messiness. Yeah. So I told myself that every day on the way to work, just so I could know and practice that acceptance of I'm about to go into something messy. Hmm. That, I would like to think, is the radical way of Christianity. To know you're not going to bail on it, you're going to stay in the fight, and you're going to try to be as, as good as you can to others and to God. You know what I mean? That's and good. Try to keep it simple, but... It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I could, I could see your wheels turn, and I didn't know if you were going to add to that or not. No, I'm just thinking about it. Okay. But I haven't formulated a response yet, so. Which is, by the way, folks, um, this is the thing I love about our podcast. I've got my notes, Nathaniel's got his notes, and we don't know what each other's notes are. Right. Like, we're actually having real-time dialogue. We didn't know what to expect. Yeah. So when I say, screw us, Nathaniel didn't see that. No, I did not. <laughs> it's not like, okay, Nathaniel has it typed in his notes. He's supposed to laugh right here. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> Nothing <we're> just... scripted. 
So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But this, uh, let me return back to complacency here. Um, those are the things I believe that are radical. And I heard this in a, a sermon by our pastor a couple weeks ago, and uh, I just fell in love with it. That one of the prerequisites to being nominated for sainthood in the Roman Catholic Church was that you were to be what they called heroic in your virtues. Okay. And I love that adjective. I like it too. Heroic. Heroic in your virtues. I like that whole phrase. Now, why is it that your virtues have to be heroic? And the thing that's funny to me is when I started thinking, I mean, I man, it really got my wheels turning. It like unlocked something inside of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't really think that there are virtues that aren't heroic. It's almost like inherent in the term itself. Yeah. But they just have to make it explicit so that you're really aware of what it takes. And um, I think that's really good. Or else yeah. virtue, it's almost like the word virtue is losing its essence. And so when you throw heroic, it kind of revives it right. again. Well, you don't really have, you know, we might describe Jesus as the most heroic of oh, virtuous. Yeah. But you don't really have people disagreeing with the virtues of Jesus, right? I mean, that would be rare. Hmm. That would be not the norm for someone to disagree with his virtues. But we might describe him as heroic more than we would the average Christian. Mm. See, how I was interpreting it was like, uh, if you stand for truth as one of your virtues, you're not going to be the most popular guy in the room all the time. No. I mean, let's just take a really simple simple example. You go to work and you're around your coworkers and they start to gossip. What are you going to do in that moment? Mm. You could stay quiet. And I think that would be a virtuous act. You could kindly excuse yourself and everyone's going to look at you and then there's going to be this pressure, like you're going to feel the peer pressure like you should have stuck it out and gossiped a little bit. Or when you exit out, you've got that pressure of knowing that like more than likely some people are, they were offended by your act. And so the only way to cope with that is by putting you down when you leave. Oh, look at Greg. He thinks he's high and mighty. Like that's a, that's a heroic, uh, virtuous act to me you know those simple things um but really what that is is just the virtue (laughs) yeah but every virtue i think that is lived out is heroic but i that that phrase has just given me so much to explore yeah that i I fell in love with it but i think that i i just go back to the the fruit of the spirit because i think that's just such a good summation of the christian life that um, those are things that, if truly lived out, require the bravery. Mm. Uh, which is why I think it's important that they're um, always called fruit of the Spirit. These are things that are um, empowerments outside of yourself, but within you to do it. You know what I mean? Like the sense of bravery. I, I, I'm just like pull, pulling this out of thin <laughs> space. But... I just suspect that it's got to be a mix of you conjuring up within yourself that you want to be a person of integrity plus some kind of like ump from the Holy Spirit to help you to be able to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
because it can't just be all me that's going to stick this out because no. um, I'm, I'm going to get mad. <laughs> yeah, well, and you can become, like, like in, going back to screw tape letters, that's that's the mindset of this, this um, I call them a despairing individual or despairing patient and mm-hmm. a hopeful patient. The despairing patient is the one that all we need to do is get them to hopelessly chase after recreating this yeah. this initial conversion experience that mm-hmm. they remember mm-hmm. and recreating those that emotional experience i mean that's what i feel like that's the same mindset of what you're talking about yeah like, yeah you know. and people are gonna start catching on when you're trying to force a virtuous moment that's yeah. just gonna end up looking ridiculous yeah and then you're just fighting to save face and then your initial cause is lost yeah but i i agree with you i think it genuinely comes it comes from a genuine desire to be a person of integrity and an empowerment or you said oomph (laughs) of the holy spirit within you to achieve that and earlier i mentioned you know maybe looking at pleasure that is out of order in our life that's become sinful we can knowing that it's originally from god we can place that back in order and i think that happens in the same way where it's like i want this to be right yeah and the holy spirit now enables that now we can put it back in order yep over time yeah 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 you know here's the thing that really pops out to me i think that a lot of nt Wright's work raised a great deal of awareness in christians about life not being about the rescue of souls so to speak and but about a life that has been revamped by God in order to love God and your neighbors in the here and now. And what what really stood out to me about all this like heroic <clears throat> virtues, what makes Christianity radical seems almost kind of really normal at the end of the day, but just heroic, <laughs> is that N.T. Wright is in our day. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure there were other writers. He was at least the one for me and in my my circle of people to start reworking what salvation was about. And if you mean the end goal is to rescue souls, I think that that's fine as long as you have worked through the... What you mean by souls? I mean, um, if you think of it in like the old school Gnostic sense that there's something inside of you that is rescued for heaven in the end, and there's no change in the here and now in your thoughts, words, and deeds, then that to me seems a bit of a waste of time. Yeah. And that seems to be, and this is the connection I wanted to make, that what N.T. Wright was for me right now, he's not saying things that are much different from what Lewis was saying in the 40s. Yeah. So it's kind of funny to hear this same message once again you know that like the truly transformed life is the one that you're going to see and experience right now every minute of every day yeah you know heroic virtues that's that's what paul presses the churches for in his letters in the new testament exactly it's like well you know at the end of corinthians second corinthians he's expressing how you know i'm gonna i'm afraid i'm gonna be brokenhearted when i get here yeah uh, because you aren't gonna be what i want what I expect, uh, which is a virtuous, integrity-filled people seeking after a, a righteous life in honor of God, and I won't be what you want or expect because yeah. I'm going to come down on you for <laughs> in person, you know. But I, but just Paul, 
agrees with that idea, I think, which would make sense because N.T. Wright has studied so much of Paul yeah. that um, we should have a transformed life. Mm-hmm. That we are, he uses, where, where is it that he, Paul uses the phrase that we are being saved, that we're walking out our salvation. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, but it's a, it's a great phrase that has always stuck with me. It's an ongoing here and now thing, not just swooped up to heaven. Yeah, yeah. And I think we can connect this to Screwtape's tactic of leading people to a moderate life. Or we might say nominal Christian. But I mean, yes, complacency. Yeah. Because the complacent thought here would be the thought of salvation as something that rescues this abstract thing called your soul mm. to get into heaven in the end. So what do you do with the rest of your life? Yeah. Well, you, you got saved at church or church camp or whatever, and nothing about your life changes. Yeah. And so then you look around, you're like, well, this Christianity thing is boring. Yeah. And then I don't know what you make of if you read the scriptures at all when you do read them you'd read something like acts and you would just feel like you were reading fictional literature because you would feel so detached from the realities that were happening of a life that's actually lived by the spirit you know like people are raised from the dead the sick are healed you know paul gets bit by a snake and nothing happens yeah (laughs) yeah um How could you how could you have any relation to that in the complacent lifestyle? Yeah. I don't think you really can. Yeah. Unless um, you're shaken out of your complacency. Right. But otherwise, I think you just end up in it's the things that were mentioned in earlier chapters in the screw tape layers as well. Get them all caught up in the abstract theologies yep. without thinking about their life here. Well I th- I think, you know, reading screw tape and then during this conversation right now, um, it, it seems to me, I don't know how you feel about this, that in America, at least, since that's where we live, that the devils, shall we say it that way, have been rather successful. And even though we are polarized and everything, we're not a, what we might call a complacent culture overall, I think they've been very successful in making Christianity much more complacent and passive in our culture we might we might get really riled up over political issues that don't agree with our Hmm. christian convictions but when it comes to living out day to day it seems like it's a very common thing to fail i remember one time at work um, this summer uh, one of our waters who's a friend um she she had an interaction with um, a couple, an older couple, um, because I wasn't up at the front and mm-hmm. to help. I work sales at a nursery, and uh, she got a really nasty attitude from the wife, and then the next moment the husband is trying to talk to her about Jesus. Oh boy! And uh, that kind of a thing where you see it with in the way a Christian might interact with a waiter or waitress and. Oh, and it was like, well, in what world is she going to want to believe, you know? That just sounds like if she w- Whether she was a believer or not. But what world is she going to want to believe when you treat her this way by the wife and another way by the husband that just doesn't, it's inconsistent. There's no Ugh. integrity there. 
So I, I just, I guess I'm saying all that to say it. To me, it feels like in my own life included, there's been a lot of wins to make us complacent in our yeah. faith yeah. in the West, or at least in America. Yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, the, if I'm just, if, I mean, this is a new thought you're posing to me. So if I just kind of think of it off the top of my head, I'm thinking all the extremes um, can be overwhelming to try to address it all. It's yeah. like trying to keep up with the news. <clears throat> yeah. I which keep, I don't do. I can't. I, it's impossible. Yeah. And it's overwhelming. It's anxiety-inducing. Right. Um, you know, churches have done right by preaching from the pulpit that sometimes we should have been there, we could have done better, or whatever. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there's a lot of balance that that requires because we can't keep up with everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, like... I'm sure we've both heard uh, various pastors say things like, um, we've got to keep up with the cultural tides. Like, we've got to be savvy with what's going on in our world. And I do agree with that. But, man, that's got to have, like, a heavy dose of balance with, like, I, I can't be in the know about it all, all the no. time. And I don't, like, I've got my life to live, too. Yeah. I can't read all the books and do all the studying on all of the debates about um, sexuality. I can't keep up with all of the debates about politics. I yeah. can't keep up with all the debates about uh, the climate. Like, it's almost like I'm geared for like one or two things that I can go deep into, and those will be my arenas. You know what I mean? Sure. And like, and then we we trust that the whole family of God is so large that we can cover all of our bases. Because, like, yeah. I can't think of other strategies to try to keep up with the Kardashians, you know? <laughs> like, I just don't, man. It'd be yeah. exhausting. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it's the... Um, it's it's almost kind of like either way you, you splice it with the extremes or complacency, the Christian will be tempted to... Um, to complacency on one end because um, everything is so extreme all the time. At yeah. least that's the way I feel now. It's like, yeah. man, when George Floyd was killed, which was, the whole thing was terrible. Right. But man, people's Facebook statuses of like, if you don't say anything, you're complicit with this. Yeah. Like, there were all these challenges to not be balanced. Right. To not be middle. Because middle is evil and you're an accomplice right I just think man that's um that's not a view that i can hold right. against other people right. because um uh, well a i think part of the the virtuous life of a christian is um solitude and if we cannot mm. accept the power of silence then maybe we haven't spent enough time with ourselves. i mean can we just say once again that like covid was the proof of the pudding of whether or not you could handle yourself yeah <laughs> how much time does it take with you to be with yourself to you explode mm. and i think that's a revelation of things that are within us and i don't fault anyone for having problems with themselves because of covid but i'm just saying i think that this is a revelation that um, solitude is a must-have mm. and solitude is hard work yeah true solitude is 
that's the that's the story of the desert fathers i mean and here i am again i'm on my desert father high horse today <laughs> they're admirable man yeah i love them so much um except for the weird nasty things that like i'm not even gonna say it but okay they did some very inappropriate thing i mean <clears throat> such is life but when when they believed christianity was becoming complacent because Christianity, they looked at, was declared as like their world religion. Martyrdom was going away. Um, the hard-won thoughts of theological debates, like having to stand up for something, was going yeah. away. Yeah. And their response was, I'm going to go to the desert and be alone. But their explanation as to why is so different. They said, I'm going to go to the desert and be alone and do work on myself. And that's going to be the new way of martyrdom. Hmm. And it's like, wow. So it's like people are no longer dying for their faith. I'm going to go confront myself. And you better believe that's going to be like dying. And it's like, okay, that sounds, that sounds different. But who can't relate with that? Yeah. Like people tell me like... I'll say, have, have you spent any time uh, thinking about this? Or have you tried meditating where you just you know, come back to a phrase of like acceptance or something and just thinking yeah. about your day or journaling? And their response is, no, I can't handle, I can't handle silence. I can't handle yeah. being alone with myself. Like, what is that? That's that absence of solitude hmm. because that solitude feels like martyrdom. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually gonna hurt yeah so um anyways coming back um silence i do believe is still an option and it's an important one to practice um although it needs to be nuanced i mean mm -hmm. if you see someone getting hurt out on the street i think you should consider being a good samaritan not stay silent right. in that sense you know what right I mean? but there are plenty of times where Staying quiet, I believe, is just as much a healthy option as long as you're doing the deep, introspective work yeah. to figure things out about yourself because the healing of yourself is just as good for our world as other acts of social justice, you know? Like, yeah. If you heard that, that letter by G.K. Chesterton, he wrote to... Um, there was like a newspaper article that was taking in responses about how we could make the world a better place. Or no, the question was, what's wrong with the world? Right? Wow. And so he submitted a response to the, the competition and just said, me. <laughs> or he said like, dear newspaper article, in response to your question, what's wrong with the world? Me. Signed G.K. Chesterton. Wow. And it's like, that's that introspective work. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's just as good as other acts hmm. if you're not focusing on that on other people put in the hard work on yourself and we can still have some good outcomes for the sake of the greater good hmm. no no anyways i got all worked up about that so. <laughs> that's good I, kind of going back to a little bit uh to yeah where the heck were we the extremes like swinging all the way one way or the other it's either all or nothing i'm either i'm either on fire and everything's great or i'm um i'm um 
it's gone forever and I'm either going to be okay with that and complacent or I'm going to chase after it weepily all the time and mm-hmm. never never get it. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to that idea of extremes always, um, I think that we see that a lot in um, in the, the current day, which we've, we've talked about, but you see it in... Um, Social justice, looking out for the poor, um, standing up for an oppressed person is something that I think the New Testament encourages us to do. Yeah. But social justice isn't the point of the New Testament. Hmm. The gospel message of salvation from Christ is the point. Hmm. And I think sometimes we get in the extremes where we're either, we're going to be all about just saving souls like you were talking about earlier. And we're not going to ever talk about any of these issues that are wrong in the world mm-hmm. and seek to, to bring any kind of solution to them. Mm-hmm. Like you were mentioning N.T. Wright's uh, saying, you know, that's really something that counts. Um, or we're going to just go full ham on social justice, <laughs> you know, whole hog yeah. on social <laughs> justice. And and uh, we don't even care what your position on Christ is anymore. We're going to slap the label of Christianity on that. Mm-hmm. It's like no, there there has to be a place in in balance where. So like, just be it, good. It matters. Both things matter, but we're not going to an extreme where we're no longer a gospel-centered, gospel-driven people mm-hmm. as Christians. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just go back to I just, I just um, I'm a good person. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. If you're. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I believe God is the very establishment of what morals are. So, yeah. like, where we go about defining our goodness is another another conversation, you know. Right. But, yeah, I, it's common to hear that um, I'm a good person, I do good things, but I don't want anything to do with God. That's mm-hmm. just kind of strange. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I always take it from, like, a position of a parent. You know, I think I may have shared this before. Like, you know, you raise your child to do good things and they grow up doing everything you wanted them to do but then they don't want anything to do with you yeah doesn't that just come off as kind of strange like people nowadays have no problem living out christ-like values but having a relationship with christ is a problem you know what i mean anybody will look at jesus and say yeah i'd love to learn the values that were important to him and stand up for them and be like him minus the stuff about loving the father (laughs) yeah and and having him as lord right (laughs) yeah yeah obedience i mean christ like as like a supernatural name not as like uh sir uh lord or master right right You've been listening to Only an Inkling. If you like this podcast, you already know what to do. 